Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes to help you lead your life well and enable others to flourish. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and we're recording safely during the lockdown that the UK is under due to COVID-19. Uh, and trusting this finds you in healthy and in good heart in spite of uh, the challenges you may be facing. It was Alexander McCall Smith who said, Do you realise that people die of boredom in London suburbs? It's the second biggest cause of death among the English. Sheer boredom. Well, this quote is on the contents page of a Grove book written by today's guest. The book is Leading a Suburban Church, Good Things from the Edge of Things. The book goes on to say that some one million Christians reside in what we call suburbia, which is equal to over a third of church worshippers in the UK. So I'm joined this week by the Reverend Steve Morris, the vicar of St Cuthbert's, uh, Wembley, which of course is on the uh, Metropolitan Line in London's metropolis, if you're not from these parts. And I'm confident that whether your church is in suburbia or not, you'll be given some fresh ideas on how to reach the neighbourhood in which your local church is placed. So uh, welcome, Steve, to the Leadership Farm. It's good to be here. And of course, you're, you're on lockdown at the moment, uh, as, as we all are, but you particularly... Yes, well, we, we've had a bit of illness in the family, and also, you know, we're our, our vicarage is, is right next to the hospital, Northwick Park, which is one of the centres of excellence for treating coronavirus. So we just, you know, I hear the ambulances going by every uh, every few minutes. So um, my prayers are absolutely with those uh, people up there who are who are working at the hospital. They, they really are heroes, aren't they? Sure, indeed, indeed. So, um, so to, to this uh, Grove booklet. Um, you spend some time describing the particular challenge of suburbia and in particular the challenge of, of a lack of a sort of central space that you might get in a town or a, a village. But you, you were able to turn that to advantage when you, you came to St Cuthbert's in, in Wembley. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, I grew up in, in the suburbs. I grew up in a place called Northolt, which you know, many of your listeners may have driven through on the way um, on the A40 into, into London. And so I suppose I had a kind of um, empathy for suburbia um, you know when I was young I, I really wanted to escape it I thought life was always happening somewhere else but you know now moving back here I think I began to realize what an opportunity we have you know can we can we be the place in the suburbs you know the place where whether it lacks a center you know why not us why not why not church be the center but if we're going to do that we're going to have to think really creatively and new about what church is and about what we're doing as congregations in these places. So you, you came up with a simple mission statement. Uh, so perhaps you could um, unpack that for us and, and how you implemented that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, this is not to be say anything uh, derogatory at all about my about what happened in the past here. I mean, you know, it's been a, a very vibrant church. Sure. But when I came here, I think the, the strap line was changing the world for Jesus Christ. Now, th that was fine. But the problem was we had about 30 people coming to church. So kind of the world was kind of passing us by and, and maybe we needed to set our sights a bit differently. Yeah. And so we um, we came up with this line, which is our whole mission statement in this place is to be a blessing. Everything we do is a no strings attached blessing. Every action we take, all the work we do in our community, we measure it by that 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 ruler, you know, is is what we're doing going to bless the people who live here? 
And I suppose, you know, what was behind that was, what do you do with a church that really very few people are coming to anymore? You know, the world is going on on a Sunday morning. People are going to the garden centre, they're reading the newspaper, they're being with friends. But we weren't really seeing that many of them coming to church. So we decided just to do something different. You know, go out there and bless the, bless the place, do whatever we can to help. And well, while we haven't seen a vast, vast number of new people, we have got, we are growing. We are really now, just like every time I go out of my, my, my vicarage, I have people stopping me and saying, hello, Steve, how's it going? Thank you very much. You know, it's just amazing the vibe, the buzz that's going on. And I'm having to look at church differently, I think. And so this this word blessing is. Uh, can you un- unpack it a little bit for us? Because it, it's it's one of those church words everyone kind of knows what's meant. But it's a bit of a. I tell you what. I, I went to a talk once, and um, it was a pastor from the states, and he said that his church had decided, you know, to be a blessing. And what does be a blessing mean? And basically, they started just doing random acts of kindness. Okay. So they would basically offer people a chance to have their cars washed. And people would come to pay and they'd say, no, no, it's free. We don't want your money. We've just done it because we want to help you. And that led to this extraordinary sense in this place in the States of the church not just being there to try and get your money off you or a 10% tithe or whatever else they wanted, simply being there as, as Christ's love in the community. That impacted me so, so strongly because it, I think it, it really um, struck me, you know, that, that that's something we could do. So I suppose I think blessing is... Does what we do make people smile? Does what we do make their life a little bit better? And does what we do make them feel part of a community? Because if all those things we can tick a box, then surely we are doing God's work. I mean, we really are. And, um, you know, my community is mainly Hindu. It's about 70% Hindu faith in my community. And so, you know, what do we do? I mean, my feeling was I kept meeting these brilliant people and thinking I'd like to be part of your life. Yeah, and that's really what we've done as a church. So I suppose you know our whole ministry has been pointing outwards, and saying let's do something good. Yeah, and and there's an un- unconditional nature to that. You're not obviously you. The, there might be some outcomes that you like, but it's not something you're doing with an outcome center to it. No, and we're not. I mean, you know, so when we do our memory cafe here. We get more than 100 people every week. Well, and sadly, we're closed at the moment. And it's amazing. It's amazing. And what I do then is I do I do a prayer. I always do one prayer, and I pray a prayer of thanks for the fact that every single person there is special and precious in, in the eyes of God. Yeah. That's, that's as far as I go. But, you know, that is so far, because people come up to me and say, thank you, Steve, can you pray that prayer again for us? Can you pray that prayer again? So I suppose it's light-touch evangelism. We do almost a lot of our stuff now in the church. You can't escape the fact that we are a church and that we believe in Jesus. You know, the, the, the building's doing the work for us. Yeah. We've got pictures of Jesus everywhere. People know where we're coming from. But I suppose we are quite light touch in terms of evangelism. I suppose I, I've come to think that our actions are speaking just as much as our words. Right, right. So I was interested that you, you, you sought to understand the feel of the church when you arrived and work with what seemed comfortable to the the people um you described that the church is more middle of the road than charismatic and i guess some church leaders kind of have their they set out their stall and they will go to the church and say i'm going to make the church like my outlook or my theology um you you had a more of a a kind of conciliatory approach yeah i mean i, I suppose i came to the point of going going with the grain you know yes. because i think i knew that if i did that then 
I, I, there would just be me and the worship leader in <laughs> church on a Sunday. I mean, I, I really sure. did. I yeah. really felt that. And I suppose, in a way, I, I've just come more, become more and more open to this kind of more middle of the road, accessible, homely church. Yeah. I think I'm a Church of England uh, vicar, and we're a bit like the BBC. You know, there's nothing wrong with people feeling at home with us and feeling warm and that we care for them we're not going to scare them we're not going to make them expect them to do all kinds of odd things when they come to church and i suppose i've just come become more and more happy with going with the grain it doesn't mean i've you know my preferred option the option that i I became a christian in is a pretty full-on charismatic expression of worship but i've come to see here that you know god's in the communion you know the holy spirit is in in the blessing of the, the wine and the bread that God's in the gentle conversations we have and in the hymns. And so I suppose in a way, it, it was just, it wasn't the path of least resistance. It wasn't me taking a shortcut. It was just this sense of, let's go with what we've got. And I'm very happy that I did it, you know. I mean, I'm, I think it's one of the biggest learning points as a leader, church leader, I've had. Because when I left college, I thought, you know, let's run some alpha courses, put a big worship band in, and do all the kind of stuff that I've been taught how to do, and the church will grow. Yeah. But, you know, we tried that here, and, and the church hadn't grown, and the church had found it very difficult. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to take my time, go with the grain, and love people. Yeah. You know, I want to be a pastor as well as a preacher, and that's what I've done. I mean, I'm, I'm not at all su- suggesting that, you know, everything's been a fantastic success. There have been real difficulties here, and I've had some low points in my leadership here. Hmm. But I don't regret for a minute um, going with what we had. And I think if other leaders are listening and they're wondering, I, I would encourage them, you know, you haven't got to have a church that is your expression. Yeah. This is, you know, it's very broad what we can offer. And the question is, with the people we have in the streets around, what's most likely to chime with them? And if that is a more middle-of-the-road expression, that's fine. God's in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, we'll look a little bit later at some of the things you've you've uh, tried. But um, I was interested in the book. You talked about um, preaching and um, your concern that people are quite tired from commuting. Was 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 that something you were, people was were telling you when when they heard longer sermons? Or that's the great question. I mean, I must be absolutely honest with you, Andy. Is that I get very tired in long services. <laughs> you know, I mean, when I started in the church, it was a 45-minute service, a uh, sermon, and it was. I mean, he was. The, I have my friend, Pastor Wolfie, brilliant. What a brilliant preacher! But I was finding myself after about 20 minutes, kind of unable to concentrate. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, not there, but a different church with a long service, long, long sermon. I looked to my wife on the left, and she was fast asleep. <laughs> fast asleep <laughs> yeah. during Daniel and the Lions. How can you sleep during Daniel and the Lions? Goodness <laughs> me! So I basically thought to myself, and I can. You know, I come from an advertising background a branding background the best things i've ever heard have been short the yeah. things that have lived with me have been short hmm. and you know reading about prayer you know, so let your prayers let your words be few god doesn't seem to say a great deal does he so <laughs> what i've decided to do is to is to go short and leave people with one thing to think about when they go that really applies to their own life i mean it suits me let's be honest and if i were a different kind of person then i might do a longer sermon you know, I, I spoke to a lot of really seasoned vicars and people who'd been in the suburbs a long time, and they, they always seem to say to me that, you know, people are really exhausted after a long week, you know, give them a break yeah. on a Sunday. And I, I think that's I think that's good advice. I sure. mean, I really do. Sure. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by 
um, Steve Morris. Uh, Steve's the author of a Grove book, uh, Leading a Suburban Church, Good Things from the Edge of Things. And we'll be back just after this. And welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by the Reverend uh, Steve Morris. Uh, Steve is the uh, the Vicar of St Cuthbert's in, in Wembley, uh, northwest London, if you're not here, uh, not from the UK. And uh, we're looking particularly at uh, some of the themes from the book he wrote. Uh, it's the Suburban Church, Good Things from the Edge of Things. It's a Grove booklet. Um, reasonably uh, um, low priced. So um, I, I do recommend Grove Books as a, a, a great source of, of looking at themes like this one. And uh, Steve's is an excellent book. I had the privilege of reading it in readiness for this uh, for this uh, conversation. So, um, Steve, amongst the, the approaches to blessing the community uh, that you've gone for, you don't use what some people regard as tried and tested methods. Um, so you mentioned earlier before, in the break, you, didn't, you don't do alpha, uh, there's a thing called street pastors, healing on the streets. Uh, and, and of course, some churches still use, although perhaps less so, the, the kind of methods of door to door and and open air. So any any comments on on why you, you do what you do and not those other things? That's a really, really interesting question. I suppose, again, you know, when you, when you lead a church, it's easy to say, well, you know, God's doing all the work here. I'm just a kind of conduit for it. But actually, you know, the personality and the character of a, of a leader is what God has given that person. And that comes through, you know, your own preferences. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Now, I was an atheist for an extremely long time. I was an atheist until I was 40. Well, wow. I was um, a really, I think I was, a, I was, I mean, I've heard arguments that you can't be a good person unless you've got faith in God. Well, I was, I think I was quite a good person. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I knew how, how, how me and my friends reacted to that kind of in-your-face stuff, you know, on the streets. I literally recoiled from it. Yeah. I found it, I found it an imposition. I found, I, th I thought to myself, I haven't given you permission to say this or do this to me. And I suppose that has always been in my mind. It, it really has. And you know, I may be wrong. And, and and please, I'm not. I'm not saying that this is this is in any way a kind of big doctrine of of mission of mission or anything. But for me, it's the gentle stuff that has always worked. You know. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, I just started going to church. And it actually wasn't the charismatic church. It was a local, little local, nice little local church. And my uh, it was very gentle in its outlook on people, you know. And my, my lovely wife, she had a brain hemorrhage running the London Marathon. And she was terribly, terribly ill. Oh, well. Wow. I mean, we, we weren't members of this church. We weren't members. We were certainly never going to go to an Alpha, Alpha course, right? And I just remember that people from that church used to come and bring flowers. And one Christmas, I'm a terrible cook, you know. I'm a bit of an old fossil, really. I couldn't, didn't know how to do the Christmas dinner. And Christine was ill. She was at the house, but she couldn't move. She had to lay flat for a year, you know. And people from the church came, and they made us Christmas dinner. That lasted with me more than any healing on the streets, more than any alpha course, more than anyone with a loud hailer standing at the um, at the at the, at the um, station. That one act of saying, "Here is a poor old boy with his kids and doesn't know how to make Christmas dinner." with his lovely wife, and he's so worried, we're going to go and make him Christmas dinner, no strings attached. That was one of the major milestones for me in believing in God, and I've seen it over and over again with Christians, selfless, selfless service to people, no strings attached. We do this because God loves us and God loves you. And, you know, I, I'm, 
one day when I meet the Lord, he might well tell me that I wasn't I wasn't kind of strong enough or um, I wasn't parking my tanks on people's lawn, as we used to say in my old business. You know? <laughs> I haven't parked a tank on anyone's lawn, right? But I have gone on the lawn with a cross, the cross on my shoulders. And I've tried, I've really tried to be a blessing and to help people and love people. And so that's why. It isn't that they don't work. I mean, Alpha's brilliant. I mean, I went to an Alpha course later on, and it helped me become a Christian. But it's just where we are at this time in our cycle of a church, I've not quite felt that it fitted yet. But it yeah. might do. Yeah, at the sure. moment, that's not where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And so the kind of things you do do? We do a lot of um, getting out there. When we do lots of stuff, we'll be put on lots of groups. We have our memory cafe. We have groups for older people. We do run little groups for, for, for uh, carers and, and toddlers. Um, we do we do lots of concerts because our, our little area, they love, they love a concert. And because we're in the suburbs, nothing's on. You know, there's nothing to do and nowhere to go. And so we do a lot of stuff where you can just come and enjoy being at the church and always I say a prayer. And it's amazing how many people have come to church who things are non-Christian. Yeah. We had, um, we did this um, really, really good night. We had a bit of it. We had a, a quiz that, from one of the, um, from the Dark Destroyer, um, from the from the, um, from the the Chase came and did a quiz for us. You know, we had 250 people at the church. Fantastic. Yeah. I did one prayer. But that kind of making us feel like a community again, making us feel that different bits of our community, different faiths, no faith, different ethnicity, I think that's been the biggest thing we've done. Can I give you one really quick example? Please do, yes. I went over um, to get my prescription from my local um, chemist. And he's a really lovely man. He's a, he's a, he's a, a, Sikh, a Sikh man and his family work with him. And he said to me, Steve, Steve, I want to talk to you. Come, come, come into the little, um, he has a little consulting booth. I thought, oh my goodness, what on earth has gone wrong? Maybe I've got, yeah, maybe I've got cancer or maybe I haven't paid for something, you know. And we sat down and he said, I just want to say to you, Steve, thank you on behalf of my community for what you're doing for us. He said, you don't need to do it. No one's done it for us before. But we noticed, and we are really, really grateful to you. We all are. Oh, so lovely! Wow. Yeah. So, if if you want it in a nutshell, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Someone from a different faith who can see our faith shining through. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Steve, what what kind of leadership characteristics are, are required to lead in suburbia? Would you say? Think, yeah, it's a good question. I think you need quite a lot of resilience. Yeah. You know, because there are going to be weeks when not many people turn up. There are going to be weeks when you feel lonely. There are going to be weeks when you wish you lived somewhere more interesting yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to live in Ealing. It was fantastic. I could go out there, go to, go to any restaurants and pubs or, you know, go to the cinema or whatever. But where I am now, there is nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you commit yourself to, to working in a place that's on the edge of things, then there are, um, you know, you just need to be know that, it, that, that you're going to have to put up with certain things. So I think resilience is, is, is very important. I think flexibility is really important. I, I think in these circumstances where it's a very transient population that you, you're going to need to be a bit flexible in your, in your practice of leadership because it might be that you need to do different kinds of things rather than the standard issue. Sure. And I think the third thing you need to be is you can't really be an, a, a loner or an egotist when you work out here in the suburbs it's all about working in partnership with people partnerships with local groups I mean we have for instance our local councillors um, come and run their surgeries here from our local from Brent we have all kinds of stuff like we have local police will come in and chat about scams that are going on which happens to older people 
Um, but, you know, I've, I think, I mean, my bishop, Bishop Pete, who's been brilliant, said to me, you know, go out to all the community groups, find where there are things already happening, and join in. Yeah. So I think that's a good leadership thing. We haven't got to invent it all ourselves. What's already happening? And that, that requires a certain degree of humility as a leader. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll, I'll say, Andy, is that I, I came here thinking, you know, if I preach well, and I put a lot of energy in, you know, this church is going to be of 150 people coming. But, you know, I was I was far, far too overconfident in myself in that, you know, because it, it was clear to me after about six months, that is not going to work here. And I had a number of options. One, I could have, I could have really just slumped into a kind of despair. But what I decided to do was to listen to people and decide, you know, could we do something differently? So I think that kind of sense of provisionality, which there always is in the suburbs, it's, it's, not, it's always something a bit unfixed about the suburbs. Yeah. That you need, you need to have that in your soul somehow. Yeah, um, and um, you mentioned leadership being a lonely business. So you've you, you've got a, a kind of network of friends, uh, maybe inside and outside the church. Yeah, I mean it's really interesting. One thing I will say is that becoming a vicar was ruinous to my friends who weren't who were outside the church. I think you just get so you go away to train. You know, I trained for three years. You move and all that kind of thing. And I really do mourn. I really do mourn the loss of, of some friendships. Not yeah. because they disagree with what I what I am, but just because it, you know ministry got in the way. It really did. But I mean, I do have some brilliant clergy colleagues. I'm really fortunate here in Brent. You know, it's a tough, tough place to do ministry, but we all know it, and so we all support each other. And I think that you know, I'm full of admiration for my my brothers and sisters in the clergy, and for some of the lay people here who've just been. You know, they come and say, hey, how are you feeling, Steve? Can we come and pray with you? Or can we bring you a cup of tea? You know, I've got some lovely people around me. And if you're a leader, I would say, try and get some people around you who just love you and are not going to criticise you. You don't, you know, my, my guess is, you know, people say in Christian circles, I'm going to tell you this with love. Yeah. And it's always the least loving thing you've ever heard. <laughs> yes. You know, just about everyone knows what their, what their problems are, that they know where things are. You don't need to remind most people mm -hmm. things aren't going and especially with leaders, it's just, you know, just cluster around your leader and accept them as the person they are with strengths and weaknesses mm. and love them. And f finally, Steve, if you um, if you did move on from St Cuthbert's, do you, are you, you likely to stay in suburbia? Would you would you fancy a, a village or a town centre church? That's a really, really interesting question because I have thought about that. I've wondered. I mean, you know, I've had a long time in suburbia given that I grew up in it and I've been here. Would I take another suburban church? I, I might do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 57 now, so if I do take another job, it might be my final um, post before I retire. Um, at the moment, I'm very happy, but um, I, I think, I think, depending on what my family say, maybe I, I might go more town centre, but I don't know. You know, I mean, I, there are many, many consolations through ministering in, in the suburbs, and um, I would encourage people to just grab hold of it and uh, I mean one thing I say is that you know it looks suburbs look like they're colourless they're vanilla but if you scratch beneath the surface there's all kinds of interesting things happening and the church can be the colourful bit of our, our community and I've enjoyed that I really have well Steve you've been an inspiration to us so thank you so much for all you've shared you're welcome um, the book he um, we've been looking at is Leading a Suburban Church Good Things from the Edge of Things it's uh, 
available from Grove Books. Just uh, type in uh, Grove Books and you'll you'll get to Steve's books. And he's got others as well, which um, you can look at um, while you're online. So thank you, Steve. And uh, thank you for listening. It's been great to have you along. Uh, of course, you can go to Premier Radio's website, find Leadership File, get archive versions of Leadership File. You can go to iTunes and Podbean. And both places there will also give you uh, over 100 previous shows so you can find your personal, your topic and uh, listen away. So thanks for for joining us, uh, whether you've been online or uh, live uh, here at Premier Radio. Join us again. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.